You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Oh, he's so handsome. America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday. September 13th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun Tuesday edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It's the fun time of the week. We kind of are still looking at what happened late last weekend in college football, but also never too early to look ahead. I think we'll have that nice balance on today's show. Fun show today. Uh, This is what I want to talk about. So we're going to start the college football landscape as a whole. Two weeks are down, and I do kind of wonder, is this season maybe shaping up to be a little bit more wide open, a little bit crazier than we had initially anticipated, a little bit more like last year, where down the stretch we had a bunch of teams fighting for the playoff spots, some non-traditional teams fighting for the playoff? I believe so. From there, we'll kind of move the Nebraska conversation forward. Obviously, Scott Frost is out. We discussed that on Monday's show. But then on today's show, what I want to do, what is the Nebraska job in 2022? What are the positives? What are the negatives? I think that's a big conversation in college football right now. And then in college basketball, we haven't talked a ton of college basketball the last couple of weeks for a couple obvious reasons. One, uh, there's not really that much going on. But then two, on top of that, um, you know, college football takes over at this time of year. With that said, though, college basketball coaches have been on the road recruiting. Friday was the first day. And I think when you look at where John Calipari was, where Eric Musselman was, where of all people, Wes Miller, the Cincinnati head coach was. I think it tells us a little bit about the college basketball landscape. So we'll wrap on a little basketball. Quicker show, shorter show should be a fun one today, though. Before we get started, first of all, as always, I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. I've told you about them. They've been in London. They've been in England, overseas in Europe for 50 plus years now. They've done an incredible job, over a 1,000 books across, uh, across the U.K. They have come to the United States. They have targeted us, Aaron Torres Media, Aaron Torres Pod, and they got two great deals for you coming out of week two of college football, week one of the NFL. First of all, week two, week three college football, uh, finishing week two, looking ahead to week three, they have their Bet 50 
get 250. Bet 50 on any game, get 250 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook app. Just download it. You'll find it. That is the giveaway. Also, as I told you, they have what they call the double take for all NFL games as we start to head to as we start to look ahead to Thursday's mega showdown between the Chargers and the Chiefs. Thursday night football, Amazon football. Don't forget about that. The double take, as I've told you, when you bet a first TD in any game, okay, so you can bet on who scores the first TD in any game, bet on it. If that guy hits and if he scores a second touchdown, here is a crazy bet for you, a crazy prop for you. If the guy that you bet scores the first touchdown and scores a second touchdown, it pays out double. So I'll give you an example. C.J. Uzama, Cincinnati Bengals, we discussed it late last year, was the first touchdown scorer at 40-1. to He then went ahead and scored a second touchdown later on in that game. It paid out 80-1, to which means if you bet $10, you won $800 thanks to C.J. Uzama. So that is the Betfred Sportsbook app. That is the Betfred Sportsbook giveaway this week. Week 2 NFL coming up, so make sure to check that out. Really quickly, I should mention as well, bracketfanatics.com. We are doing our Aaron Torres pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. The results from week one are still being tabulated, but as I told you, you can enter at any time. If you haven't entered yet, it's not too late. Go to bracketfanatics.com, join pool, pool Torres. You can enter now, and you are automatically entered to win. Every single week, we're giving $100 away to one winner every week. And then from there, on top of that, we are also going to go ahead and give a $1,000 cash prize. It's free to enter. That $1,000 cash prize is the, the season-long contest. So go to bracketfanatics.com, join pool, find Torres. Even with week one in the books, uh, it is not too late to get involved. And by the way, we will announce the week one winner on Wednesday's show. With that said, though, you know what time it is. It's time to get to... The topic of the day and the topic of the day. Listen, I'll just say this. College football is here. And now that college football has started, we are two weeks in. And I do think that while you still don't want to completely disregard your thoughts from the preseason, what I would also say is that with two weeks of data points, I do think that we are starting to get a feel for what the landscape looks like, right? We're not there yet, but we've learned some stuff. Notre Dame isn't very good. USC is going to score a lot of points under Lincoln Riley. Um, Clemson still has a quarterback problem. And so I bring it up to say we have learned a lot through two weeks in college football. And I want to focus right now, this moment in time, on my single biggest takeaway through two weeks in college football. That takeaway, I think college football is once again as wide open as it has ever been very similar to last year where we had a playoff that included Michigan out of nowhere, that included Cincinnati out of nowhere, and a final day of the season where we had Oklahoma State in position to potentially make a college football playoff. And it's funny because, again, if you go back to last year, think about this time last year and think about where we were in college football. We were coming off the COVID year, empty stands, limited capacity, and one thing that was a complaint about college football coming into last year, it's too top-heavy. It's two, the same teams are in it every year. Every year it's Bama. Every year it's Clemson. Every year it's Ohio State. Every year it is Oklahoma. Well, fast forward to last year, and we saw absolute chaos. Like I said, if you go back to last year, 
Georgia was pretty elite all year. Yeah, we get that. They won the national championship. How about my dogs? <laughs> yes, for people watching on YouTube, you just saw me bark into the camera. But I bring it up because outside of Georgia all year long, what was the conversation? It was, oh, man, we thought this was another year where it was going to be top heavy. Alabama does not look like a vintage Alabama team. We talked about it on this show all last year. Clemson clearly had problems starting out the year four and three overall, missed the playoff for the first time in six years. Ohio State, of course, struggled. They lose early to Oregon. They lose late to Michigan. And in between can kind of be exposed if you can run the ball right at them. And Oklahoma was good, but not great with Lincoln Riley as the head coach. And so you go back to last year, and there were a lot of different reasons as to why that was the case. But I do think there was probably one big reason as much as anything why there was a number of programs that kind of out of nowhere came up and rose up in college football and why the traditional powers of the last decade or so took a step back. I think more than anything, what it was, it was that COVID waiver coming out of the 2020 season. Remember, COVID in 2020, every player got an extra year of eligibility if they chose to use it. And we talked about it a lot on this show at this time last year. What did we talk about? We talked about the fact that when you looked at college football, when you looked at college sports, what happened was it, the, the, the top wasn't quite as good and the bottom was a little bit better than it had been. And it was because of that COVID waiver. You had a team like Michigan, a team like Arkansas, a few others. I can't think of a Cincinnati was a perfect example where you had a bunch of players that normally would have been out of eligibility that all of a sudden get a fifth or sixth year of eligibility and you have these 22, 23, 24-year-old grown men across the board on a lot of different teams. Then you go to the traditional powers, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Clemsons. The problem with them was they lost a ton of talent because they lose a ton of talent early to the NFL draft. So they're, nor they're playing their normal young guys that they would normally play. And they're going up against guys that are, at, you know, teams that are as old as they have ever been. And so that was a big reason. And every other team had, had different reasons why they struggled. Oklahoma never really figured out the quarterback until they went to Caleb Williams late in the year. Ohio State, of course, um, you know, the defense and the, you know, they just weren't physical enough. Clemson couldn't figure out the quarterback situation. But more than anything, I think it was that COVID waiver last year that caused the chaos in college football. I bring it up to say with the COVID player now, you know, slowly starting to be phased out of college football, I think we thought we were going to get back to a season where it was, again, very top-heavy. Alabama was number one in the preseason poll. Ohio State was number two. Georgia was three. Clemson was top five. And I'll tell you, through two weeks of college football, I do not see that at all. And as I said earlier, I see a scenario where we could have chaos all season long. Go back and look at the preseason poll. This blew me away. We're only two weeks into the season, okay? Out of the top 11 teams in the first preseason poll, Four of them have already lost at least one time, okay? Texas A&M lost, obviously, App State. Notre Dame's lost twice. One of them is forgivable at Ohio State. Most teams will lose there. Uh, Baylor lost the other day at BYU. I think BYU's good, but if you're a top-10 team, is that a, a win you're supposed to have? Oregon, of course, lost as well. So we've already had four of the top 11 teams in the preseason poll lose. We've had two teams in Michigan and Oklahoma that really haven't played anybody. And then really, when you look at the rest of college football and the rest of the top of the sport specifically, I think you can argue that in their biggest game, Alabama, 
Clemson, and Ohio State, all to different degrees, did underwhelm a little bit. And so when I look at college football through two weeks, and again, you don't want to overreact, but you don't want to completely disregard everything that you have seen either. What I see is a sport that looks a lot like last year. If you go through the first two weeks and you just talk about the teams that we thought were going to be really good that have been super dominant and super impressive with at least one win against a real opponent, I think the only team that jumps out in that category is Georgia. And again, I'm not saying that Georgia is what Georgia was last year, but they're the only team that so far has looked completely dominant in a super high-profile marquee game. Uh, We talked about it the other day, everything that they did against Oregon in that opener, completely dominating the Ducks. Stetson Bennett, almost 400 yards passing. Uh, Georgia as a whole, almost 600 yards of total offense. They completely dominate Georgia or Oregon in week one. And I'll tell you, they look very much the same team that they did a year ago. Dominant on offense, dominant on the offensive line. Stetson Bennett now has, uh, you know, kind of developed that, that confidence in the passing game where maybe they're a little bit more lethal in the passing game, but the defense is going to be just as good uh, through two games. And I know the second game was against Samford, but they beat Samford 33 to nothing, which means that I'm not great at math, but through two games, they have outscored the opposition 82 to three at Georgia. And so Georgia looks dominant, but let's go through the rest of college football really quick, because I got to tell you outside of Georgia, I think everybody's got questions. I go back to Alabama. What did we talk about on Monday's show? I love Nick. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. But this team looks an awful lot like last year's team. Bryce Young, and we've talked about it, last year bailed that team out two, three, four times. I said it all last year. I said, this is not a vintage Alabama team. It's a good Alabama team. Very talented. This is not a vintage, elite, all-time great Alabama team, though. And I thought this year was going to be different. But through two weeks, and especially against Texas, they had the same problems that they did a year ago. It does not appear as though they have a game-breaking wide receiver. Remember, in the games that they struggled, they struggled at Auburn. Jamison Williams was out for that game. He got hit with a targeting, did not play. Uh, In the uh, national championship game, when Jamison Williams went down, they did not have him. And that offense stagnated. They don't have those difference makers or they didn't appear as though they have them in the Texas game. On top of that, the offensive line looks just like last year. The biggest question about Alabama coming into this year was the offensive line. And I don't think you can come out of that game on Saturday against Texas feeling great. Texas has far from the best front seven personnel that Alabama is going to face all year. Think about all the teams that Alabama is going to face. I'm telling you right now, Texas A&M, we can criticize Jimbo and all that, and and we have, and we're going to continue to do so if he doesn't figure some things out. Their front seven personnel is better than the Texas team that Alabama just played the other day. Uh, Who else? Arkansas, I think, is as good as physical as tough, and you got to go to Arkansas. On top of that, from the Alabama perspective, you know, you're going to have to play Georgia at some point. And so if you don't get the O-line stuff figured out, if you don't find a game breaker on offense – I do think this Alabama team is one that's good enough to win a national championship, but also one that certainly has flaws. Let's go to Ohio State, right? Like, I think Ohio State was another one. I think we all assumed, you know, give give them an offseason, new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. And to their credit, they have looked really good on, on defense. The offense was very good the other day against Arkansas State, but it was Arkansas State. 
But I do think now you got to go back to week one against Notre Dame and say they won 21 to 10, really to their credit, really got physical late in the game and were able to kind of pull away in the second half. But all of a sudden, that win over Notre Dame doesn't look nearly as impressive as it did, you know, four or five days ago, right? Coming out of that game, we thought, okay, Notre Dame plays real defense. They're tough. They're physical. They might not be great or elite offensively, but they're a good football team. I mean, I said it all, all offseason. I said, I don't think they're the number five team in the country like they were in the AP poll. I do think they're like, I don't know, 12 to 15 to 20. Well, now Notre Dame lost. Ohio State struggled against them. And I do wonder about Ohio State because this has be, been, been a consistent theme. Struggled in their marquee game to open this season. Last year struggled in their big early season game. Now, to Ohio State's credit, they picked it up. But Ohio State doesn't look dominant. Ohio State doesn't look unbeatable. And we're going to find out pretty quick how good they are because the schedule, uh, while manageable, it does get tough in the middle of the year. Two weeks from now, they play Wisconsin at home. I know Wisconsin just lost to Washington State. I would pick Ohio State to beat them. But Wisconsin does play that physical brand of football that historically has given Ohio State trouble. Is Ohio State better? We're going to find out because after Wisconsin, it's Rutgers, then it's at Michigan State, then it's Iowa and at Penn State. Say what you want about Iowa. They play real defense. They can't score. They're going to try to beat you six to three, but they play real defense. And Penn State, of course, will find out as well. But historically, they've given Ohio State trouble as well. Clemson, I think it's the same deal. We've talked about Clemson. We don't need to revisit the whole Clemson thing. They got themselves a quarterback situation. I know DJ played well against Furman the other day, and we need to uh, – no. He's not the guy. I'm, I can see it. You can see it. Anybody who watches college football can see that DJ is not the guy at Clemson. And so all of a sudden, I'm just going to be honest. Alabama doesn't look as good as I thought they would coming into the year. Ohio State doesn't look as good as I thought they would coming into the year. Clemson, until Dabo makes that quarterback change, I do not have faith in. And he better make it soon because the schedule gets tougher. Wake Forest is now fully healthy. They play at Wake Forest a week from now. They get Louisiana Tech this weekend, but then they play at Wake Forest, NC State's good, at Boston College, at Florida State. All of a sudden, none of those games are gimmies if you don't have the quarterback situation figured out. And so I'm fascinated by them. But then you look even across the rest of college football, I don't know if I see those other teams emerging. Look at the Pac-12. Well, even the Big 12. Big 12, Baylor's already taking a loss. They're out. I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen. Texas, they already took a loss. They're out. It ain't going to happen. I don't see either of those teams running the table, especially with Quinn Ewers uh, out for the foreseeable future at Texas. Oklahoma, my Sooners from the preseason, did not look very good. Seven first-half points the other day in a, in a, a, a win uh, to, to, to improve to 2-0. and Now, they play at Nebraska this weekend, minus Scott Frost. We're going to learn a little bit about them. But they've been underwhelming offensively. You look at the Pac-12, I love what Lincoln Riley's done. They give up five yards per carry to Stanford. What's going to happen when they play Utah? What's going to happen when they play Oregon? What's going to happen when they get into a big bowl game against a good team? I think it could be ugly. Um, and so I think USC is going to be one of these teams. If they can beat you 55 to 45, they're in pretty good shape. If they have to beat you 28 to 27, I don't know that they can do that. Utah has one loss, although I do still think they're interesting from the perspective that I think they're going to be favored in probably every game the rest of the way. They do get USC at home. They play Oregon late. Um, but the Pac-12 has questions. The Big 12 has questions. I don't think there's a group of five team like there was a year ago in Cincinnati. And even the ACC. NC State almost lost in week one. Uh, Pitt's already taken a loss. 
And so you look across college football, I think it's going to be crazy. The only team that I will say, I will give you one team to keep an eye on, and I don't think we're going to learn anything about them for another two or three weeks. I do think it's the Michigan Wolverines. And for people who missed this, um, you know, they did officially name their starting quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, thought about talking about it. But listen, the way the Michigan thing played out, I do think it was exactly what I told you. I do think Jim Harbaugh knew that J.J. McCarthy, last year's backup, had the higher upside in general. Um, But then I also think that he felt guilty or he felt like it would be bad publicity to bench the starter, Cade McNamara. And so I bring it up because on Saturday night, Jim Jim Harbaugh officially announced J.J. McCarthy is going to be the starting quarterback for Michigan. And I'll give Michigan credit, right? And, And I do this often and people get mad at me. I know Michigan hasn't played anybody. I get that. But at the same time, I always like to give credit to teams in the preseason who do what they're supposed to do against inferior competition. Michigan just beat Colorado State 51-7 to in week one. They beat Hawaii 56-10 to in week two, and they were up 42 to nothing at halftime before they called off the dogs. So don't tell me Michigan hasn't played anybody when Texas A&M just lost to App State, when Nebraska just lost to Georgia Southern, when Notre Dame just lost to Marshall. I look at Michigan. I do think they're that team that I, I, I don't know that we're really talking about them right now. I do think they're interesting. I don't think they're a national title contender. I don't think they're beating Georgia, Alabama, even Clemson if they figure out the quarterback situation. But I bring all of it up to say, I think we are now two weeks into the college football season. And I think this puppy, I think this bad boy, I think this season is as wide open as it was last year. And I think we're going to get some teams completely out of left field uh, making a run at the playoff because I don't believe Alabama is as good as we thought. I don't believe Ohio State looks as good as I thought they would look. I don't believe Clemson is there yet unless they make a quarterback change. All right, good first segment, quick first segment. This is what I want to do, take a quick break. I do want to come back. And when we come back, I want to switch gears to Nebraska. The first head coaching job of the year is open. Nebraska is looking for a head coach. There is a lot of debate over what kind of job this job is in 2022. I want to take a deep dive, look at it from all angles. We'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Back. Good to be back. I do want to stay on college football, but really kind of want to switch gears and talk about really what the big topic in college football is right now. And that is, of course, the present and future of Nebraska football. Um, obviously on Sunday show, Monday show, we talked a little bit about the fact that Scott Frost was fired, thought it was the right decision, thought the timing was now. Uh, but we also talked about candidates. I, I do think that if you're uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers, Matt Rule, Carolina Panthers, you want to be rooting against the Carolina Panthers. So hopefully this guy gets let go and you have a legitimate shot to get him. But in the bigger picture of Nebraska, what I want to do is kind of move this conversation forward on Nebraska football and really just discuss, you know, what's next for this program. And more importantly, I think the conversation that everybody in college football is having right now, how good is the job itself, right? We all know it's well-documented. This is a program that has won not only a national championship, but multiple national championships in most of our lifetimes, maybe some of our lifetimes, maybe not most of them, but it's obviously a program that has fallen on hard times. And so the conversation is how good is it? How good is it not? What kind of realistic candidates should they be pursuing? And I thought I saw an interesting quote from my buddy Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, a college football mind that I have a ton of respect for. He said this as it pertains to the Nebraska coaching search. He said, if Nebraska is approaching big names or even up and coming names, it's approaching this all wrong. It needs to ask itself if Nebraska is good enough for its candidates, not if the candidates are good enough for Nebraska. And so that quote really stuck with me and it really started kind of, kind of just, just kind of, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but, but really kind of gauging and creating interest in me in talking about this Nebraska job, the pluses and minuses, and really how good of a job it is in the modern era. Because as I've said the last few days, I do believe that it's probably a little bit of a better job than a lot of people think it is, um, but also one that comes with some real, real hurdles to build a respectable team in college football in 2022. And I do think when I look at Nebraska, look, the the, the hurdles, the the things that hold this Nebraska job back are things that you guys and girls already know. Specifically, it's all about recruiting, right? Uh, When we talk college football, the good jobs in college football in 2022, it's all about, do you have access to players, right? Uh, It was funny. I saw a quote from Nick Saban the other day. I thought it was perfect. Uh, Nick Saban was on with my buddy Colin Cowherd to preview the season probably about two, three weeks ago. And Colin asked Nick Saban, he said, why at 71 years old do you love to recruit the way that you do? And Nick Saban gave an incredible answer. He said, I learned a long time ago, it's really hard to coach bad players to be good. Uh, And so I go out and try to get the best players that I can every single year because it makes my job easier and it makes me look better. Now, I'm paraphrasing what Nick Saban said. But that's the bottom line. That's the truth. And that's what makes a good coaching job in 2022. It's not about history. It's not about facilities. It's not about this. It's not about that. 
It's do you have access to good players in 2022? And that's what makes Georgia an elite coaching job, LSU an elite coaching job, USC, Ohio State, Florida, Miami, whatever, Florida State, elite coaching jobs. It's also what makes the Nebraska job so challenging, right? Uh, I looked it up just for fun. I was kind of blown away by this. Nebraska's entire state population is like 1.9 million people, okay? 1.9 million people for the entire state. For comparison's sake, New Orleans as a city has 1.2 million people. The Atlanta metro area has 5.1 million people. So, you know, Atlanta, the, the weather, the this, the that, they just have five times as many people just in Atlanta. Forget the rest of Georgia. Five times as many people in there, I guess it would be probably not five times, but two and a half times the number of people in Atlanta as there are in the state of Nebraska. It's just a tough place. There's not a lot of players. There's not a lot of people. And then I do think the narrative that, you know, Nebraska's region to recruit in has really been impacted by the big, the move from the Big 12 to the Big 10 about, you know, a decade ago. I do think that's pretty accurate, right? I mean, for, for people who do not remember, Back in the day when Nebraska really was was last, at the very least, respectable, winning 10-11 games, 10, maybe not 10-11, but 9-10 games, competing for conference championships, finishing in the top 10, finishing in the top 20, it was a program that was able to recruit Texas in large part because they still played in Texas quite a bit as a member of the Big 12. Go back to the Big 12 days. They played Texas every year. They played Texas A&M every year. They played Texas Tech, Baylor etc. Now, moving to the Big Ten, they don't really have a recruiting footprint. It's harder to recruit kids from Texas um, because of the fact that, um, you know, it's harder to recruit kids in Texas because of the fact that uh, you don't play in Texas anymore. And then obviously, it's harder to recruit the Big Ten footprint because most of those places are already locked up. Hard to get kids out of Ohio that that are good enough to play at Ohio State. Hard to get kids out of Pennsylvania that are good enough to play at Penn State. You're kind of far from that eastern seaboard, Maryland and New Jersey, which obviously Ohio State and Penn State have recruited really well. So you have no natural recruiting base. And I think that is when people say this is not a very good job in 2022, it's hard to argue with the fact that it's really hard to recruit. Uh, There's no natural base. And the natural base that you did have is no longer accessible. I think those are fair things to say. And I think it's why a lot of people um, seem to think that this is a job that you are going to struggle with. You are going to struggle. It's a job that you are going to struggle to succeed at for those specific reasons. What I would also say is I do think some of it's overblown and I do think some of it um, is 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 misleading, if you will, in 2022. First of all, and I want to get this out there right now, this second, because I think it is the biggest misnomer about this Nebraska job and the Nebraska fan base as well. People outside of Nebraska need to stop saying, well, Nebraska, they need to know it's not 1995 again. Nebraska fans know that. I deal with a lot of them on a daily basis because I've been talking a lot of Nebraska the last few weeks. Talked about them with the Urban Meyer rumors, with the firing, with the Northwestern game. I have yet to talk to a single Nebraska fan that expects it to be 1995 and you're competing for national championships. But do I believe they can recruit enough to go, recruit well enough to go eight and four most years, nine and three, once in a while, get to 10 and two, 11 and one? I do think they can. Can they recruit well enough? Let me put it this way. Can they recruit well enough to beat the teams that they've been losing to? Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern, Minnesota. I do believe that they can. And when I look at why I think Nebraska is a better job than people think, there's a couple of reasons. One, 
I think the recruiting narrative is a little overblown, okay? So I went back and looked it up. Scott Frost actually recruited pretty well at Nebraska, which is what makes all of this disappointing. So let's take out last year's recruiting class, 2022, when he was on the hot seat, um, and look at the, the previous three classes under Scott Frost, the three full recruiting classes that he had when he was on campus recruiting as the Nebraska head coach. 2021, they had the number 20 recruiting class in the country. 20, 2020, they had the number 20 recruiting class in the country, and, num- and they had the number 17 recruiting class in 2019. So not great at math, but in Scott Frost's three full classes before last year, when everybody knew he was coaching for his job, he had three top 20 classes in three years. Now that's not going to beat Georgia. That's not going to beat Alabama. But again, should it beat Purdue? Should it beat Northwestern? Should it beat Illinois? Yeah, it probably should. And there's no reason to think that the next coach can't do it either. And I would add this on recruiting too. I get the notion that Nebraska, their natural recruiting base is gone. They don't recruit Texas anymore. They can't recruit Texas. The reason they can't get good players out of Texas is because they're not winning, okay? That is the biggest reason. Because in 2022, recruiting is more national than it's ever been. Bryce Young is from California, wanted to go to Alabama because he could compete for championships, get developed for the NFL. That's why I didn't go to USC. That's why I went to Alabama. That's why DJ, we thought he was going to Clemson to be developed for the NFL. Turns out it didn't work out very well. But I bring it up. CJ Stroud, Ohio State. Chris Olave, wide receiver, uh, uh, top 10 draft pick, was at Ohio State from San Diego. Oh, by the way, Garrett Wilson, top 10 draft pick, played at Ohio State from Texas. And so this idea that you can't recruit a, a place because you don't play there is nonsense. Some of Ohio State's best players are from Texas. Jackson Smith and Jigba, their star wide receiver, is from Texas. I looked it up today. It's not just Michigan State. Or it's not just Ohio State, excuse me. Michigan State played really well last year on the field. Guess what? 2023 recruiting class, they have have two four-stars committed from the state of Texas, two four-stars committed from the state of Florida. You can recruit well nationally if you give players a reason to come to your school And I look at Nebraska and I say, the right coach, you're going to be able to get guys if you win. Kids in 2022, they want to go to a place that they can win at a high level and be developed for the NFL. If you can do that at Nebraska, you can do that anywhere. And so when I look at Nebraska, I think it's a better job because I think those recruiting narratives are a little bit outdated, a little bit overblown. And I also think the other recruiting narrative that nobody talks about, that I'm the only one that talks about, the transfer portal is a game changer. The transfer portal is a game changer. As I told you on Sunday's show, look at Nebraska's roster right now. Their starting quarterback played at Texas last year. Their starting top wide receiver played at Texas last year. Their best, their second best wide receiver played at LSU last year. They have a safety from Alabama who played at Alabama last year. The portal is a difference maker. Yes, they might not be able to get some of those elite guys out of high school, but let them sit on the bench at Georgia for a year. Let them sit on the bench at Alabama for a year. All of a sudden, Nebraska can get some guys that they could might not have been able to get out of high school. Seven players that transferred in this year, I looked it up, were four stars or better coming out of high school. On top of that, they killed it in the portal. They signed a few FCS All-Americans, a few group of five guys. And oh, by the way, as I said many times, O'Shawn Mathis, a guy that was a three-star who developed into an all-Big 12 player. So, You take the fact that Nebraska isn't recruiting as poorly as you think, and they can have success in the portal. I'm telling you, I think this job is, again, better than it was even two or three years ago. A couple other things. One, keep in mind this. 
And I say this because it's important. Listen, I, I'm not saying I'm anybody important, but I do talk in on most days. I talk to somebody that coaches in college sports or is an administrator. Okay. I bring it up not to brag, not to say I'm anybody important. I'm nobody, but I bring it up to say, when you ask a coach, what makes a good job or a bad job? Number one is obviously recruiting. Like I said, and you can't replicate that if you're Nebraska. But the other thing, you can't, repli- you can't replicate having 5 million people in the greater Atlanta area like, like Kirby Smart has access to. But at the same time, what most coaches will say, number one, it's all about recruiting. But number two, are you at a place where you have everything that you need to win? Administrative, facilities, uh, stadium, fan base. You can't argue that Nebraska has all that. $200 million, $200 million facility is getting completed as we speak, okay? Size of six football fields. Incredible. Insane. Go look at the renderings. It's going to be insane. Now, everybody has a football field. Everybody has an indoor facility. I get that. They also have one of the craziest fan bases. I think the most passionate fan base in college football, okay? This isn't a school that if you go on a two-game losing streak, nobody's going to show up. They had 90,000 people in Memorial Stadium on Saturday night to watch Nebraska lose to Georgia Southern. 90,000 people, okay? And so when you talk about the portal, when you talk about recruiting, when you talk about a fan base that is going to support players on the field, financially in NIL, this job is better than people realize. And I'd say two other things as well as it pertains to this job and then who could potentially take it. One, I've said it a few times, I think the college football playoff expanding is a game changer. Because again, as I said, I don't think Nebraska fans want it to be or think it is 1994 anymore. They just want to be good. They want to be respectable. They want to have, I think, and Nebraska fans, tell me if I'm wrong. DM me on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres. Leave a comment in the YouTube section. I think most Nebraska fans, they just don't want to be embarrassed. And every once in a while, can we have that 10-2 and season that Iowa had last year? The 10 and two season Wisconsin has had. If Iowa can go 10 and two like they did last year and play for a Big Ten championship, and if there was a 12 team playoff last year, they probably would have been in. There's no reason that Nebraska can't do it. Maybe not every year, but every once in a while. And so I do think the, the expanded playoff helps. This is now a place where you can compete at a high level. It's not LSU. It's not Georgia. It's not Bama. It's not USC. I get that. But it ain't Washington State either. It ain't Vandy either. You can build a team that can finish in the top 12 and make a playoff at Nebraska. Because of all that, I think this job is better. And what I would finally say, I think the one thing Nebraska really has going for it, I do think it's going to be a pretty quiet coaching cycle. You look at the jobs that are going to open. You know, Florida State's not going to open. Mike Norvell's got it rolling. Um, You know, Auburn might, but Auburn is chaos. I don't think anybody's choosing Auburn over Nebraska to be second fiddle in Alabama behind Nick Saban for a fan base that wants you out after two bad games. After one season, they're making stuff up like they did with Brian Harson. So you look at the jobs that are going to open. There isn't going to be an LSU this year. There isn't going to be a USC this year. There's going to be a Florida this year because of it. I think Nebraska is probably a better job than people realize. And I think they're going to get a candidate that's better than people realize as well. All right. So what I want to do, take a quick break, come back, wrap the show, some college Hoops recruiting news and notes. Uh, College basketball coaches are allowed to be on the road. Going to discuss who was where, who they were watching, what it means. We're going to do a little college hoops, baby. You know I love my college hoops. Take a quick break. I'll be right back. (laughs) 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Do want to go ahead and wrap with a little college hoops. And so we haven't done a ton of college hoops on the Air Tours pod over the last couple of weeks for some probably pretty obvious reasons. Uh, it's football season. There's not much going on in basketball. And again, most of your focus is going to be on football. Unless you're a Notre Dame fan or Texas A&M, you probably love your football team. You're happy with where your football team's at. Never been more satisfied with your football program. And so there really hasn't been a ton of college hoops news, and there's really been no reason to talk college hoops. But what I will say is over the last couple of days, there has been something that I think kind of interesting in the college hoop space that is worth visiting, touching on, not spending 25 or 30 minutes on it like, you know, your boy Torres can do, but maybe 15, 10 minutes to just kind of give you a little recap what's going on. And that is recruiting. This past week, last Friday, was the first time that college basketball coaches can go on the road and visit recruits in person. And why this is important, it doesn't mean that anybody super significant has committed. But why it's important is because where your coach is, where they start, is usually a pretty good reflection of who the school is prioritizing at this exact moment. If they're they're not going to visit a kid that they have no shot with. And so I saw a couple of things over the last couple of days that I thought are worth noting. I want to kind of hit on it quick, just do kind of a rapid fire, four or five things that I noticed because I do think they are significant. First of all, let's start with the guy that when we talk recruiting, it's John Shire. There's about four or five guys, John Shire, Chris Beard, Eric Musselman, and of course, John Calipari. Where did John Calipari open the recruiting period? Well, he opened it in New Jersey, home of the number one player in America, DJ Wagner, and his high school teammate, Aaron Bradshaw. And why this is significant is for a few reasons. Listen, we've done the DJ Wagner conversation a million times. I'm not going to go deep dive. I think everybody at this point knows he's the son of Dewan Wagner, who, of course, was the what was the first really kind of great one-and-done player that John Calipari had back at Memphis. And he's the grandson of Milt Wagner, who was a national champion at Louisville and recently hired as Louisville, as a special assistant at Louisville, it's kind of an a, a, a alumni relations role so they can still recruit DJ. And I bring it up because, again, we've gone over the story, but just give me 30 seconds to get through it. But when that hire was made, when the grandfather was hired, I do think that we all jumped to the natural conclusion, it's over. DJ Wagner is not going to Kentucky. Give it up, Kentucky fans. Move on to your next option. And in some ways, uh, John Calipari in Kentucky did when they signed Rob Dillingham, a top 10 guard who was considered the number one point guard in America, DJ Moore of a combo guard. And so I think like everybody else, I include myself, I kind of gave up on it. And then as time started going on, you started to think, uh, even me, even without any outside talking to this person, talking to that person, you started to think, wait a second now. How many grandfather, how many kids have really committed to a school because of their grandfather? And you really started to wonder, was there really anything credible to everyone just assuming DJ was going to go to Louisville? 
Or was it just total speculation of grandfathers at Louisville? There's no way that he's going to go down. And so over the last couple of weeks, I think there's been a few things that kind of indicate that this recruitment is more wide open than maybe we initially thought. One, all the reports are saying that a lot of these recruiting experts, and I respect the heck out of what those guys and girls do. It's no discredit, but some of them that had crystal balls in have removed crystal balls or that, you know, they're a little bit more hazy or whatever. I think too, Kenny Payne's comments a few weeks ago, the new Louisville coach kind of, kind of were very interesting, right? Kenny Payne for people who missed it. I probably should have talked about it on the show. I didn't, but Kenny Payne mentioned in passing, he said something to the effect of, um, you know, he was at, he was speaking at a church, which was kind of interesting. And he said that there's been a lot of negative recruiting about Louisville and that people that he's respected people that he's been involved with for 25, 30 years are saying bad things about Louisville. Now, I don't know if that's specifically John Calipari. It's not my place to speculate. But what it says to me is that Kenny Payne, it is more difficult to recruit at Louisville than I think that he anticipated. And I think that's especially important in the case of DJ Wagner. If you feel confident that you are about to close on the number one high school player in America, I don't think you're going to even a local function with your own boosters and fans and saying we're having a tough time dealing with negative recruiting. So you're starting to get some feel out of the Louisville camp that maybe they're not as confident as they were three, four months ago. And I think you're starting to get some confidence out of Kentucky too, of like, well, wait a second now. Why would John Calipari start in New Jersey again if he had no chance at this kid? And so right now, unless I've missed something in the last day or two, I don't know that we're going to get anything specific out of the DJ Wagner recruitment here over the next week or two. But at some point, he's going to have to start narrowing down his list and start committing. And obviously, it's going to come down to Kentucky or Louisville. And I don't know how you can't feel good if you're a Kentucky fan, again, because John Calipari was there. As it pertains to Aaron Bradshaw, in the new rankings, Aaron Bradshaw is ranked uh, even higher than he was before. Uh, he is ranked the number six player in America in the latest ranking, which, was, which is an improvement. Um, you know, my sourcing still indicates it seems like it's Kentucky versus a professional route, probably G League Ignite. Um, but I think Kentucky's almost in a perfect situation in this one, where well, if you remember, and we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show, there was a kid named Ugana Kingsley, uh, who was part of the class of 2022, reclassified, enrolled for the fall, and now he's on, on Kentucky's campus in what's essentially a pseudo redshirt year. I don't think he's actually going to redshirt, but I do think why it's important is because he's going to play limited minutes and then you're really keeping him around for the 2023-2024 season. And so, yes, if you have a chance to sign a top 10 prospect, seven foot one center Aaron Bradshaw, you go ahead and do it. But more importantly, and why I think this is important, you already have the backup plan on campus. And the backup plan is pretty good. It's a seven foot one kid uh, who was a, a four star in 2022, probably would have been a five star had he stayed in 2023. So Calipari was in New Jersey. I think it is a totally positive sign if you're a Kentucky fan that he feels like he's going to get DJ Wagner. I think Aaron Bradshaw is a cherry on top. If you get him, great. If you don't, that's okay because you're covered. So good week for Kentucky if you believe in, you know, if you believe that John Calipari would not be there unless he thought he could get uh, DJ Wagner, it's a great, great, great week for Kentucky. Let's keep it going. Uh, Eric Musselman, Arkansas. Okay. So on, I guess it was Friday afternoon, my buddy, Zach Kroll, who's been on this show, he writes for Aaron Torres online, college hoops, nut. Um, he texted me a picture of Eric Musselman 
at the Cowboys training facility with Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore. And what he saw was Eric Musselman doing Eric Musselman things. Eric Musselman, whenever he stops anywhere, he's got to pick the brains of the people that, that he's involved with. I know when he was in L.A. for a recruiting event a few weeks ago, he saw Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach. But I bring it up because what I said to Zach was, oh, I don't think he's there to see Mike McCarthy. I think he's there to see Ron Holland, the number 11 player, number 10 player in America and the top priority of Arkansas. And so to me, again, I take it as a totally positive sign for Arkansas that they are in great shape with Ron Holland because of the fact that that is where Eric Musselman started uh, the recruiting period on Friday. Again, if you're a head coach, if you have to pick your priority recruit for the class of 2023, where do you want to be to let that recruit know that you are their top priority? You want to be there and you want to be, you know, you know, front row seat. So he knows how important you are to him. Now, I think a lot of Kentucky fans still think that Ron Holland is, is a priority for Kentucky as well. And he is John Calipari, as I'm recording on Monday night, is in Dallas himself to see Ron Holland. But I think if you're an Arkansas fan, you have to feel really good about Eric Musselman being in Dallas to see Ron Holland. For people who don't know, a couple things. One, kind of a, a, a six-foot, eight-ish or so uh, wing. I, I really like his game. He's a kind of guy that will that has thrived in the Eric Musselman system, which I think is what Arkansas is selling him in recruiting. Um, if you followed Eric Musselman for a number of years, Moses Moody, of course, first-round draft pick two years ago, played one year at Arkansas in the SEC during that COVID season. Plays one year in the NBA or one year at Arkansas ends up being a lottery pick one year in the NBA ends up being an NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors. Also a couple guys like that when when Eric Musselman coached at Nevada with Cody and Caleb Martin. So he fits the Eric Musselman prototype uh, and he played at the same high school as Anthony Black, a current freshman at Arkansas. And so when I look at this situation, what it says to me, the fact that Eric Musselman is there. The fact that there's natural ties, the fact that one of his high school teammates plays at Arkansas. I know Kentucky fans think that this kid will end up being in Kentucky. I do tend to think that he probably ends up being at Arkansas, especially keep in mind, Kentucky has gotten a commitment from a wing named Justin Edwards. You should know the name. He's been on the Aaron Torres podcast, um, but Justin Edwards is a wildcat. My hunch is that in the end, Ron Holland ends up as an Arkansas Razorback. I think Eric Musselman being there is a great sign for Arkansas. Let's keep it going. A couple other notes. Uh, one, I thought it was interesting where Chris Beard was on Saturday. Chris Beard, the head coach of Texas. He was back at Texas because they had a home football game and a priority recruit for them was on campus, Andres Stoyakovich, who is the son of Peja Stoyakovich. He is a kid that plays for the Compton Magic, a high school uh, AAU program I'm pretty familiar with here in the LA area. He lives in the Bay Area. Obviously, his father is Peja, played for the Sacramento Kings. This kid, this kid is a really, really, really good player. Okay. So this kid is a really, really, really good player. Um, about six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, you know, Peja was a little bit of a of a a, a guy that um he was a, a guy that sorry, I'm, I'm looking something up here really quick. Um, but but Peja was a kid that Peja was a guy that was more of a wing, a three-point shooter, all that. Andrej is a kid that is a three-level kid. He can shoot it, but I think people respect the shooting so much, they underappreciate the playmaking. I've seen him. He's just a smart basketball player, gets to his spots, 
kind of, you know, he's one of those guys, he's not super athletic, but he always seems to find his way to the spot that he needs to be. He was at Texas on Saturday for the Alabama-Texas game. And so I think it speaks to Texas really believing they're in pretty good shape. The fact that Chris Beard was back on campus with him for that Alabama game. Obviously, any good basketball coach is going to use a big football weekend as a recruiting tool. Chris Beard does it to a T. Number one, Alabama is in town. Andres Stoyakovich is there as well. The only thing I would note on Andres is that I do believe that, you know, listen, he's cut his list to six. Duke, Oregon, UCLA, Texas, Virginia, and Stanford. Um, and I, I will say my understanding, again, being on the West Coast, I think it's either going to be UCLA or Stanford. Stanford, obviously, academically, you can't undersell it. But I think that they do like that UCLA, LA, I guess it's a Pac-12 vibe. Although I think, you know, by the time he gets there, you know, they're going to be on their way to the Big Ten. Um, but I, I think they like the West Coast thing. My guess is he ends up at UCLA. But the fact that he was at Texas on a big recruiting weekend, it can't be anything but a positive for Chris Beard. Finally, the last note that I do want to mention, um, Isaiah Collier, a really interesting prospect in 2023. Uh, some recruiting services actually moved him up to the number one player in the country. He's now the number four player in the country, according to the 24-7 database. Um, he was actually, the, you know who was in to see him? Uh, you know, a number of coaches, but an interesting one. Wes Miller, the head coach at Cincinnati, by the way, should mention point guard, six foot four, really talented player. Um, but I bring it up because, you know, this kid's recruitment is very wide open. And I think that, that you know, he's he's visited Michigan. He's visited the L.A. schools, UCLA and USC. I don't think anybody feels like they have a great feel for where he ends up. Alabama, another school that's in the mix. But I think Cincinnati thinks that they have a really good shot with this kid. Five-star prospect, point guard, combo guard, might be the best player in high school basketball, depending on who you ask. But the fact that, again, Cincinnati's head coach opened the recruiting period in Georgia tells you that they believe that they have a shot with this kid. So keep an eye on this one. Again, he's one of those kids. I, I, I don't think that he's near a decision. Maybe he's a spring decision. And I do think that all the schools recruiting him, I think they're all kind of in the dark of, of where is he really interested in? Where would he go? Where would he not go? But the fact that Wes Miller was on campus to see him, I think is a good sign if you're a Cincinnati fan. All right. I think that's it. That's it for College Hoops. That's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'm working on keeping the midweek show short. I think this one's going to be about 45 minutes. I'm getting there. Be patient. Trust your boy Torres. Trust the process. We are getting there. But again, I can't tell you enough. I appreciate your guys and girls support so much in terms of this new era of, of, of the Aaron Torres pod, uh, you know, five episodes a week. I think I'm giving you good content. I think I'm giving you good content and I appreciate your support uh, and everything that you do for this show. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to YouTube, do your boy a favor, check us out on YouTube. Uh, Aaron Torres, you just searched that on YouTube. Finally, thank you to our, our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. We love Betfred, have loved working with them over the last couple of weeks. Also, make sure to check out the Bracket Fanatics NFL Pick'em. It is not too late to sign up for that. A great show, fun show, college football, college basketball. We got some big announcements for college basketball coming. Cannot wait to share with you as well. But that is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. That's all. 
Shout out to Torque Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. I'll be back on Wednesday, new episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Take care, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.